0: Bridge And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for March 19th, 2010, and this is part one of our discussion of science fiction and Buddhism. So a uh, few weeks ago, we... Uh, I should say you, Scott, and myself, together had a brilliant idea uh, to talk about uh, Buddhism and science fiction. And it's a topic uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, If you go to my Twitter page, you can see my background is this image that was created for a lecture that I did at um, Orange County Buddhist Church on Buddhism and science fiction. Uh, And so go look at that. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to go see (laughs) My ID name is Gyokyo, so you can look that up. Um, and kind of related to that, I started... I've been unpacking boxes, and I found this box of books that belonged to my father. And so I've got his hardcover, Lord of the Rings Ooh. Um, box in a box and everything, mm-hmm. slipcovers. Um, and I also found Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep uh, by Philip K. Dick. And probably many people... May not be familiar with the book, but I think many people are familiar with the movie that was made from it, which is Blade Runner. Uh, I realized as I started reading it, and it wasn't that I really wanted to read it, although we'd talked a little bit about it before, and I'd watched Blade Runner on DVD recently, the most recent director's, final director's cut, or whatever it's called. Um, And so I thought, you know, I'm going to read it. And I started reading it, and it was really depressing. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, I was preparing for my three sutras class and we had um, having the students read the larger sutra of immeasurable life. Uh, And so I was reading that at the same time and I realized, wow, I'm reading larger sutra of immeasurable life. One of the main sutras of Jodo Shinshu and Pure Land Buddhism. And at the same time reading to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. And so I tweeted about that and uh, it's on my Facebook page, too, and got some interesting comments back on that. And so that's kind of... uh, one of the things we'll probably end up talking about today. See, I think that science fiction and Buddhism have, uh, I'm not trying to say, I, I don't want to say that do androids dream of electric sheep as Buddhist, right? I don't think that's the point. Uh, and yet uh, I think that in a way science, good science fiction, quote unquote, I'm not going to make a, <laughs> a value judgment here, but certain kinds of science fiction uh, are very, um, could perhaps be seen as, as embarking on similar uh, Uh, motivations, maybe, or similar uh, uh, questions, asking similar questions that Buddhism asks. For example? For example. um, Well, I think that uh, one of the things that Philip K. Dick does a lot in his stories is very much, who am I? Right? personal identity, especially later, and as we get later into his career, personal identity gets very fragmented. Um, so the, this issue of who am I? What does it mean to be human? Uh, what does it mean to be a living being? Uh, and that's totally what Buddhism looks at too, I think, right? What is the self? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be uh, living in samsara? Uh, what's the point of life? Uh, I think are questions that Buddhism addresses as well. Another thing that happens in a lot of Philip K. Dick stories is not only personal identity, but reality itself <laughs> can get really out there uh, and questioned and um, mm-hmm. strange. Uh, and so I think that Philip K. Dick asks a lot of questions too, and he's not the only one, about reality and positing um, possibly alternate views of reality. Uh, and I think that Buddhism does that as well. Right. Very philosophically addressing um, You know, we think that uh, things are a certain way, um, and yet kind of critiquing that, right, and being very critical of what we think uh, reality uh, might be like.
1: Well, so so obviously there's, uh, just from what you said, there's a whole wide range of issues that are dealt with in science fiction. So let's perhaps begin with just that question of, uh, you said, who am I, or... What am I? The, the, am I, the yeah. sort of basic question of humanity of what it means to be a person. Mm-hmm. Personhood mm-hmm. is a huge, I mean, it's certainly a central theme of
0: uh, do androids dream of electric sheep? Right. And another more recent android, Data from Next Generation. Right, right. right is another one who, um, in a kind of different way, but um, yeah. he's always aspiring to humanity, he what? wants to be human.
1: That's, I think, a central theme of Star Trek in general, actually, mm. um, going back to the beginning. I mean, you know, in the original series, there was always those conversations that would happen between uh, Spock and McCoy and Kirk and, you know, them sort of making fun of Spock for being not human, but at the same time he's half human and he's in this environment where his humanity is sort of questioned and he has to negotiate that. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, he's uh, a, a part of the crew but he's not human so what does that mean and how do you deal with different uh,
0: it's an interesting right 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 I could go on (laughs) yeah well Star Trek so Star Trek has dealt with it uh, in different ways yeah Um, Matrix maybe is another one Mm. recent film right of of, um, uh, yeah humanity against the androids and that's a little different huh that's more we'll talk about that later yeah that seems to be more about what is reality But then it's also humans against others. It's like human humanity um, defining it in in definition against androids. And are they against us, or are they somehow? Does something have to be worked out? Does that negotiation uh, between? Yeah,
1: but it's really I don't know. I see what you're saying. But they're not androids. They're machines.
0: (laughs) Right, 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 right. right.
1: We're gonna have a big big sci-fi sci-fi fan debate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's inevitable. (laughs) Okay, I shouldn't have brought up the Matrix. We'll talk about that later arguing tiny little points that no one cares about yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> what is what does it mean to be human was the central question that we started right. off with right
0: and so one of the big differences i think between well
1: we're going to go into the book versus the movie of yeah uh, blade, blade runner, runner is kind of different so so to some disclosure here uh i have not read android the android book since i was probably 17 or 18 and just last night i watched blade runner so my mind is a little bit uh right right, right. so in a different place than, than harry's who just read the book and <laughs> saw a version of the film recently <laughs> right, right, right. but but I, the 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 theme of what it means to be human in the book is definitely focused on that question of empathy
0: yeah seems to be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That um. Uh, both stories have the, the main character is a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. And in the book version, he's hunting androids in the film. They're more like replicants or something. And um, that's not so significant, I don't think, necessarily. Uh, but um, they're definitely other. Yeah. That's one of the other themes that is really important, I think, in science fiction, is otherness. Uh, and in the book, he gets really... Um, I don't know. That's where a lot of the depression comes in. The reality of, of, um, of Duandre's dream of electric sheep is somewhat depressing. It's a place where uh, the Earth is it's after World War Terminal, WWT. <laughs> um, and so there's all this radioactive dust. And uh, most people, or a lot of people, have left and gone to Mars or, you know, off-world colonies. And so there are these um, kind of...
1: It's a post-apocalyptic
0: absolutely yeah yeah yeah. and the the the, um the plight of the people left over is um kind of um sad and depressing yeah um and so they have mood organs where you program in how you want to feel and it makes you feel that way right and there's um one of the moods is like i don't know number 236 um wanting to watch tv no matter what's on So it's great. So that's another thing that science fiction does is social commentary. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. as much as it's science fiction, he's talking about we don't need those mood organs sometimes here. The TV is a mood organ. Yeah. It oh, makes I think, us yeah. turn off and just like sit and just watch whatever happens right. to be there. No matter. I, mean, I remember I, that's one thing I do
1: remember about reading the book was that, you know, the the, the clear parallel between the mood organ and and TV and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Dick's sort of commentary on how we use some other medium in order to feel something. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm which is sort of an interesting commentary that we could talk about from the Buddhist perspective that we're using some other medium to have some emotion, right, um, rather than experiencing it directly or being okay with it, we're sort of mediating our experiences. It gets,
0: right, it gets filtered through all these different yeah. levels of consciousness and, and uh, yeah. defilements. And
1: Ooh, defilements. As, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that comes out in this, in this book is The 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 bounty hunter interacts with the androids a lot. They're not maybe as dangerous as in Blade Runner. I think here um, he talks to them a lot more, maybe, and um, gets in philosophical conversations with them. And it seems something you can do in literature that you can't do in film. (laughs) (laughs) Although he does it kind of in Blade Runner at times, but um, uh, only once the danger has been neutralized. Right Mm -hmm. Um, here, it it um, comes out that one of the things that androids don't have that humans do is empathy. Empathy being maybe a better version of sympathy, kind of a variation on sympathy, right? So not only that you um, feel badly for someone or something, but that uh, you actually feel that, right? It's like if someone else is sad, it's not you're like, oh, too bad. Are you okay? It's you feel sad, too. Right. You feel that sadness as well. Um, like Counselor Troy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an, <laughs> well, she's half empath, Right, right. right. <laughs> um, that's one of the weird things about um, race is crazy in Star Trek, huh? Yeah. like a lot of the race negotiations there with these by bi- multiracial characters right right um, anyway, so empathy seems to be one of the things that distinguishes humans from androids in the book, but
1: right it's almost so it's almost like he's asked that question of what is it that makes a human a human or mm-hmm. gives us
0: our humanity? and the answer to that question is empathy. It seems to be empathy, and yet he quest- the character the main character questions it. And you realize that even this is um, uh, uh, needs to be negotiated. Right. Right? Well, it's, it's problematic. Yeah.
1: And, but part of that, too, is because I think that he's suggesting because of the, our relationship to the machines, which cause us to feel certain things, empathy itself can sort of be manufactured. Empathy itself mm-hmm. can be artificial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here are these artificial beings, the androids, who, because they're artificial, ostensibly don't have empathy, which is why they're not human. But if you can create empathy. Why can't you create empathy in some other being? And if you do, what is it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've created this other being. Is that human? Mm-hmm.
0: <gasps> because it turns out that the empathy is being generated by another machine. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Spoil- yeah, this is, we should have, we'll put a spoiler alert at the beginning, um, that in the book, there's this whole uh, machine that people with handlebars <laughs> And people grab the, they call it grabbing the handles or something. Yeah. And you grab onto the handlebars and you come into uh, kind of an, a virtual reality situation of this guy named Mercer, who um, is kind of the religious savior figure on earth. And that you, together with all the other people who are jacked into the system, and so you feel what they're feeling. And that you have empathy with Mercer. And Mercer had empathy for animals. And so, the animals are a huge part of this book yeah. too, and um, that's part of what the androids don't have either—is that they're, they don't feel no empathy for animals at all. Mm-hmm. And yet, half the animals in the book—if not most of them—are actually machines. <laughs> they're uh, the electric they're sheep of the title. Yeah. They're manufactured yeah. and they're electronic. And um, so, it's—it's th- th- it's very Dickian. <laughs> like it's <a> very <laughs> strikes me as very much like a lot of his other works. Yeah. Um, and yet, um, really interesting to put the, all this stuff into question. Um, and what seems obvious on the surface, as you keep reading, mm-hmm. um, you realize, wait a second, there's way more going on here, and it's not as easy uh, as it seemed at first. Right. Um,
1: the, other, the other part of this, and I don't remember if this is a B, is it's in, in the movie Blade Runner, it seems like it is a huge part of the film, has to do with memory.
0: Uh-huh. And it's, I don't. I can't recall if that's a, a major element in the the novel or not. It is. It comes in. It's like yeah. it's a it's a possibility, but it's not explored nearly as much, I think, as right. in the
1: book. And movie. in the film, I feel like the film really dwells on the fact that, on the one hand, it's sort of explained as you know the scientists give the replicants memory in order to provide a context for their emotions, because if you think about it, the androids are sort of fully grown adults, but with the mind of a two-year-old, you know, which is a other interesting psychological development kind of thing um but put into this context of what it means to be human i think memory is an interesting added element there because part of what it is that makes us human is our connection to our past Mm -hmm. our ability to sort of contextualize our experiences and and understand them and the sort of continuous flow of our lives from beginning to end um, which is another interesting memory itself i think is another interesting aspect of science fiction um Speaking of one of the most uh, disturbing episodes of Star Trek I ever saw, (laughs) the Next Generation series, (laughs) Um, there was this episode where Picard is abducted off of the Enterprise and he's taken to some other world. um, And everybody on that planet thinks that he's some other person. And he tries to convince everybody that he's not. He's actually this captain of a a starship. And these people are like, What are you talking about? We have no idea of space travel. You've been ill, whatever. Um, and he can't get off the planet and he ends up living there for like 60 years. He's there for this insane amount of time and he has a wife and children this whole life playing the flute. <laughs> um, and then at the end of his life, the, the planet blows up or something and he finds himself back on the enterprise. And it turns out that he was trapped in some like computer program that was the, the sort of leftover memories of this lost civilization. So he experienced it as this like sixty-year period, but in reality, whatever reality is, it was ten seconds or whatever. Um, So it's an interesting like how important memory is, and and it's a relationship to reality and how we understand reality.
0: It reminds me of dreams, though, too. That in a dream you can have, um, you can do all kinds of stuff, and it definitely seemed like half an hour or an hour, and you realize you've been asleep for five minutes since the alarm went off. Your right. alarm went off at 7 and it's 7.05 and you're like, whoa, I was just <laughs> like in some other world. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, a lot of times Buddhism will say, this life is like a dream. Right. I mean, that's, that's a critique that Buddhism does of samsara. And it says that the, the that way we ex- experience um, dreams is the way our waking life actually is. Yeah. I um, mean, it's a critique of... of um, Waking life.
1: Which goes back to the Matrix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aren't you glad I
1: brought it up? Virginia? I am. <laughs> because that, that to me is a central theme of, well, at least the first Matrix movie. I think the mm-hmm. second two Matrix movies get, the, the mythology of that world get much more convoluted and, and complicated. But in the, just in the first one, I think that the central question is what is, as Morpheus says, what is real, right? What, how do we distinguish what the difference is between our sleeping state and our waking state? Um, because the waking state in the Matrix really sucks. (laughs) Whereas the dream state, when you're plugged into the Matrix, is this fantastic,
0: amazing alternate reality, virtual reality. That was another thing I was thinking, too, though, of um, like the characters in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? The characters are just fumbling through, really, and doing the best they can. And uh, the, 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 the world, the realities of this world that he's created, um, ge- gradually reveal themselves. And the reader can kind of understand maybe what's going on. The, the characters themselves may or may not, you know, even though they're, they're experiencing it. But it's very much a kind of first-person uh, kind of um, confusion, I think, uh, which is maybe different than Buddhism, which um, I think is more analytical. Uh, and someone has the answers in Buddhism. right the Buddha gave us answers Mm -hmm. and people after him uh, Nagarjuna or whoever also um, gain insight into the true nature of reality and then teach us right so I think that that's uh, one kind of difference maybe uh, is that very often uh, I mean science fiction is positing alternate possibilities right it's 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 um, and in that way it gets us maybe to look at our life you want to know Rod Serling's definition of science fiction
1: okay he said that fantasy is the improbable made possible. No probable. Whereas mm-hmm. science fiction is uh, the... I don't know, I'm sorry. Fantasy is the impossible made possible and science fiction is the improbable made possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is interesting because he's basically positing some alternate version of reality which is not so far from reality that you can actually imagine it happening. Mm-hmm. Which I think is is relevant in a conversation of science fiction and Buddhism because as you were saying about the larger sutra, the larger sutra is some other kind of reality. Mm-hmm. The way that the, the Pure Land is described, what the whole narrative of the larger sutra is. Um, since you're reading that now, too, maybe you can comment more on that. It's also been a while since I've read the larger sutra. <laughs> Not as long as Duatrio's Dream of Electric Sheep, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just that sense of some other version of reality. Or, I don't, go with that. Right, 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 right. <laughs>
0: well, I and I think that in a way that that's one thing that Buddhism tries to do is it gets us to question reality in a way and question what we thought was normal, question what we thought was natural, and uh, begin to say, "Oh, maybe things don't have to be this way, maybe um, things maybe who I am isn't what I thought, or maybe I don't have to I'm not necessarily it's very difficult to get out of. Um, the ruts and habits that I have, but maybe it's not impossible. Maybe um, change is possible, right? And that Buddhism, um, or, or a situation too, where we think I'm right, right? And Buddhism says, no, 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 you got to, you know, you, your viewpoint is very um, filtered through your own arrogance, um, ignorance of other factors, um, you know, very one-sided, and to try and step back and see that oh maybe you know that was just um, I felt that way because of all these other conditions, uh, and that I, it doesn't nec- it isn't necessarily that way, and maybe I can see a different way.
1: Right. 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 So what, let's go on. No, go ahead. Uh, it's just that that seeing the the world from a different point of view reminds
0: me of another Philip K. Dick story that was turned into a bad movie, um, Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I was originally um, we can manufacture we can. We can remember it for you wholesale. Right, right, right. So it was such a short story. Another it wasn't a memories, whole novel, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, which is another interesting thing because in that story there's that the character who has that break with what he thinks is reality and, you know, this whole life that he's lived is not really real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's that, that what you are just saying, that sort of like looking at the same situation, but, oh, this person who's my wife is not really my wife. She's a secret agent or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not really just some construction worker. I'm actually a Martian freedom fighter or whatever he was, you know, <laughs> right. you know, the same reality, but suddenly different.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and another way that that works is, uh, well, I think uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, who is a fantasy and science fiction writer, and she does it a lot too, where um, her work is great. Cause you can read it on a surface level just as kind of, you know, fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of what she's doing is, uh, asking us to question our reality, question the way things are here. And so uh, in our science fiction stories that um, Earth, I mean, life, human, humanoid life actually started somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And the Earth was one seed planet. And so um, people came here and Earth civilization developed as it developed. But there's actually all these other planets that are similar to Earth and they're humanoid and yet uh, very different that um, seems to be a recurring theme in science fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um she's one of the ones I think that um takes takes it up and goes forward with the idea rather than just regurgitating. Mm-hmm. Um her 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 fantasy stuff is kind of like uh definitely post Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um and yet and there's a lot of post Tolkien stuff, right? You have all these series, <laughs> everyone has to have a trilogy or you know, and then multiple <laughs> trilogies and all that kind of thing. So um but she she does something better different I think where um better. <laughs> um I can, I can
1: already see the angry emails coming yeah. in.
0: <laughs> Deeper, you know, like asking questions about language right? Um, and society and that kind of thing. Um, so I re- I really like her work, too. Which I think good. is, I don't know, uh, not to be
1: judgmental, but I think that's kind of, kind of the better science fiction, really, the, the mm-hmm. stuff that really makes commentary on almost overt commentary on uh, current social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can be really powerful
0: and very... Uh, very uh, Better. <laughs> <laughs> and yet another aspect of it, though, I think is often is it's more difficult. Mm. That uh, it's not something just read and forget, right, or read to escape. Mm-hmm. It's not escapist fiction yeah, yeah, necessarily. Yeah. And a lot of science fiction, I think, is escapist. Um, well, a lot of film is escapist. A lot of, you know, writing is escapist, I think.
1: Yeah. But, uh, mm? uh, but also I think that you could look at that in terms of, again, sort of this idea of imagining different worlds, different possibilities, escapism sometimes it can be really beneficial because it can allow you to imagine a different possibility, mm-hmm. but if you do it, it, sometimes I think that science fiction is sort of a safe place to do that, mm-hmm. and this goes back to Star Trek, but I can think of, um, and, 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 and probably uh, King's work as well, you, know, you can imagine some other world where the issues that we have here um, have just gone away. Right, mm-hmm. so for example, in the original Star Trek series, they did that a lot with particularly with race. Right, there was that famous episode of the guy who had half white face, half black face, and then the other one had the reverse, mm-hmm. and they had that whole thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they they played with those issues of, and you know, the, the the crew of the of the Enterprise was multiracial, was multiethnic, whatever, multispecies, if you want to go that route, mm-hmm. um, which was sort of positing. You know, this came out in the late '60s, so it was like right in the middle of you know, a difficult, violent time in American racial uh, relations sort of imagining a different way of being. Mm-hmm. And I know that that was really powerful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's safe because it's like, oh, it's not happening here. It's not like you're creating a story that's happening in, you know, 1960s suburban America. You're creating a story. It's happening in space. It's not really here. It's, you know, But you can sort of explore those those issues in a, a sort of a safe environment. So it, it can be escapist, but at the same time, it can also be really useful and powerful for people you know um but a positive not just i'm trying to get away from this crappy place (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: so i was thinking because we've been talking about we've been making value judgments about what good science fiction is yeah what isn't and And, so i think inciting the the
1: wrath of fanboys out there i'm sure
0: (laughs) i think probably maybe a good uh for me what is good science fiction is not only that it asks deep questions but that it entertains at the same time yeah yeah, and so you have these kind of multi-level kind of uh, stories. I think uh Starship Troopers was interesting, the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Where it's like you can Deeply just watch disturbing. it as this crazy yeah. um you know, war in space kind of movie. Right. And yet it's it's making some actually, serious yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: commentary. Yeah. Some disturbing commentary, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. And 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 on that note too, I I love science fiction. I you know it's probably my favorite genre. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but I also just love bad movies, so I don't have a problem watching, you know, like, I, I don't have a problem even watching the newer Star Trek, the Star Wars movies, just because they're just, they're just bad movies. They're just sort of fun to watch, and, you know, mm-hmm. there's aliens and spaceships and things blow up, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to necessarily, like,
0: analyze everything and pick it apart. Um, okay. Although the, the, the first Star Wars movies were analyzed. Right? And supposedly came from this very deep place of like, yeah, the whatever. whole. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't go along with that necessarily, but. Um, I'm over, over Star Wars. <laughs> um, Campbell, right? Isn't that huh? his name? Um, oh, 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 Joseph Campbell. Joseph yeah, Campbell, yeah, yeah. right? And there's actually like interview footage, right, of oh, him yeah, sitting yeah, talking yeah. to George Lucas, and yeah. George Lucas got his ideas from Hero with a Thousand Faces or right, whatever, right? right. And that kind of thing. So, okay, whatever.
1: Um. But I still, I, I'll, I'll still go to my, my deathbed saying that the original first Star Wars from 1977, if you think about it, it's just sort of a cheesy movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yep. totally fine. I think
0: it's totally fun to yep. watch cheesy movies and not, you know, anyway. <laughs> it's painted in broad strokes. Right. For sure. Right. And he knew that, though, too. He was yeah. making it like a serial, like the serial films. Yeah. He and he was, was making a, what they call a space opera, not necessarily like a deep commentary you know
1: more political or psych- like like dick's stories are definitely more psychological and sociological mm-hmm.
0: um intentionally so mm-hmm. um his later stuff yeah his earlier stuff is great it's much more lighthearted and um kind of interesting um just kind of fantastic science fiction yeah, f- in the fantasy kind of sense um and then later on you can, you can but he you know he was having issues too I yeah. think and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so
1: so um what, what does any of this have to do with buddhism <laughs> yeah Not that I'm not enjoying this conversation, but... Mm -hmm,